We have Welcome to the forecast, everybody. <laughs> what? Oh, wait. Is that is it on me this time? It's you? Okay. Listen, bud. Aaron told me. He said, and let me pull up the text message hey, right here. Hey, I'm Ooh. sure he did, which is why I said, this is all you. This is why I asked if you wanted me he to do said, it You posted late once before, and I said he had no proof. That's besides the point. Thanks for covering, period, space. Tell Owen I hand-selected you, period. I like the bi-weekly on Thursdays. I don't know if we talked about that, but that gets rid of the like, oh, wait, is it Thursdays? twice a week or is it every other week? It's like, <laughs> can't be twice a week if they're always on Thursdays, right? Welcome to The Forecast, a bi-weekly podcast produced every other Thursday. That's <laughs> like the way it originally was stated, right? Yeah. Co-hosted by a community of people who love exploring, discussing all kinds of things from video games and board games to film and TV and our everyday life experiences. If you'd like to know more about what we do, you can follow us over at facebook.com slash we are the horizon community, or you can check out our website, we are the horizon.com. Today I am joined by only two other people. Uh, Caleb's here. Hello. And we have Owen. Hey, how's it going? And of course, I am Alex. Man, I messed up the thing that I have said every single time until this one, I think. Yeah. Which is just that's saying me. the same thing every oh, single time. Me. I'm going to say that's me. Um, messed it so. Up. Last podcast, we did introduce a new segment. Called, <laughs> I forget what the exact name of it was, but it was like Alex's new important decade segment or something. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, but whatever that was called, that's what this one is called. And we have another <laughs> list for you. Oh, yay, more listicles. Yeah. So last time we went over best games of the decade, I figured adjacent that to that and things that we talk about in this podcast, technology. So the 10 best gadgets of the decade, according to Time Magazine. What qualifies it as a gadget? Like, I think it's just like a tech something that happened yeah. in tech. Related? Great. Anything tech related, as you'll see start. with the second one in this list. But hold on, <laughs> we'll get there. On. First one, Apple iPad. It came out in 2010. It invented a new like segment of the market, essentially. Yeah, man. Yeah. Made tablets. Like, nobody paid attention to tablets before. I'm sure they existed in some form or another. Probably. But no one really knew about them. So yeah. Right. That, the Apple iPad really just kind of put that touch screen, you know, before the iPhone, before everything else, and really gave people that way of being able to talk to their, you know, and use technology, really be able to have that interface of technology that you didn't have to know typing or mouses. You could just tap. Yeah, it's like big enough that kids can interface with it. Yeah. Um, I, I remember, I actually remember when it came out, all the jokes about, oh, we have the this? iPhone and then like the iPad so stupid. And then there's all these joke videos like the, you know, the eye like palette or something and it's like there would be like a gigantic like <laughs> poster board size ipad that people are holding because they're just going to get bigger and bigger as time goes on 
And then they had the iPad minis. They tried to do other things. They've tried to not just make them huge. Yeah, I liked there were those jokes, <laughs> and then it got slightly smaller, and then there were jokes about how the phones are getting bitter, bigger, but the pads are getting smaller. And eventually they'll just be the same. <laughs> yeah. It is cross. <laughs> yeah. The iPhone pad. Uh, second thing on this list, the Tesla Model S. Yeah, see, that, to me, that's not that a gadget. That doesn't seem like a gadget. That <laughs> that's seems not a like... gadget. That is an automobile. Guys, check out my new gadget. It's out in the driveway. Come take a look. Why is oh, it out in the driveway? Gosh. It's a car. It's the Tesla I mean, Model S. I guess, is it just anything that's purely electronic can be a gadget? Yeah, I, I mean... <laughs> To, I don't to, know what the definition to be fair is. Fair to it, I would say that yeah, you have technology. Like, there's a lot more technology interfacing cars now, mm-hmm. and so they do have more gadgets in them. But I would not call yeah. a car itself a gadget. Yeah, I was gonna say I bet the Model S has tons of gadgets in it, but I don't think it is a gadget. <laughs> well, time does, and they say <laughs> it's one of the most influential well, ones of the decade. Wrong. Okay. <laughs> All right. What else have we got? Uh, the next one on this list is the Raspberry Pi, which apparently released that. in 2012. Huh. That's that's a that's a very influential thing. A lot of people have done a lot of stuff with Raspberry Pis to yeah. that just the DIY stuff that has like just come off of Raspberry Pis. I mean, like, yeah, it, just like mini computing has become yeah. a big thing. Like, it my, is like the enabler of of uh, just tinkerers. Yeah, yeah. I I have a friend that set up a Raspberry Pi to a light in his house. And so that way he can get onto any sort of Wi-Fi and turn on the lights in his house via the Raspberry Pi and like change the color of the lighting. I have yeah. a different friend who started up an entire like tech company startup off of Raspberry Pis. Of they use them to make um, a, a uh, what is it like a uh, laser tag guns, but you would be able to interface anywhere, and you could have as many of them as you wanted so if you just owned one of them you could go to somebody else that also owned one and then just press like two buttons and they would sync up and then you'd be able to play anywhere it was actually a really cool idea before they went under but still it's a neat thing it allows people to do stuff so raspberry pi is cool yeah aaron aaron had one that i think it's the thing that runs the uh johann sebastian joust yeah the portable version of that that you can just like take around with a battery pack that's That's pretty cool uh, this says that they have over 25 million units sold. Pretty cool. Wow. Dang. Um, next on this list, Google Chromecast. I and they cite it love as, my Chromecast. Yeah, they cite it as like the, the turning point for like being able to just like throw stuff from your mobile devices to big screens. Yeah, I think it's huge on just like streaming to big screens, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, it's, I don't know if the Chromecast itself is the winner on those, but they probably started a bunch of it. It's just so nice being able to, on any computing device that I have, just being like, oh, I want to see this on a bigger screen. Click a button, and it's on my TV in my living room or in yeah. the bedroom. Like, that's just so like, I never, and nice. Do you know, I never really Chromecast stuff. Like, I know. For years and years and years, I've been using AirPlay because we have, like, Apple stuff. Mm-hmm. So you get an Apple TV and you can airplay from your iPhone to it. Right. But I imagine Chromecast kind of started that yeah. whole thing. Because I don't, I mean, I just have a Roku TV and that's, you know, it's built in now. Yeah, you can that's how, cast to the Roku. Yeah. 
Yeah, I guess that's because it's like the open version of the technology. You can put it in whatever other box you want to, not just the Chromecast. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the DJI Phantom, which I don't know if you guys know what that is, but it's nope. a drone. It's your own, yeah. I oh. sold so many of these things when I worked at Ritz. Like, it really just was the consumer drone that really took off and started everybody wanting to have drones to do aerial photography and everything. <laughs> because, like, before it, we had aerial photography. That was a thing. But you were dealing with much more expensive equipment. And you were normally taking up larger cameras. And this was kind of the first time that they were like, all right, let's do everything all in one. You don't have to have, like, a separate GoPro or whatever. Like, it's all in one little package. Right. And nice and consumer friendly. Easy to use. Yeah, it's super easy to use. And so that started the kind of, like, the drone race, as we called it, at the store. Uh, and then we had, like, four other brands come in with their types of drones and everything and who had the better features and everything and um, the faa had to get involved and be like you can't just fly wherever you want <laughs> well <laughs> you gotta I mean, register your drone with the government oh my gosh mean? did you hear about all that stuff out in shoot now i don't remember what state it happened in somewhere out west and there was a bunch of people seeing drones flying around their houses yep and they were like worried about it because they didn't know who they were so they like contact the police and the police can't figure out who they are and who they belong to or anything and they're like still trying to figure out who they belong to and people are seeing them just like late at night flying over houses yeah Wait, they still don't know who it is no i thought i thought oh. it was a uh <laughs> i thought it was gonna be a resolution to this story <laughs> no i, I no. thought i heard that it was the military and they were like hey don't worry about it and they're like but there's a fuck ton of drones and they're like don't worry about it <laughs> nsa right, is like Nebraska. Uh, it's a. Uh... It's, you know, we drones have done really cool things to, like, really neat light displays uh, as part of Super Bowls and various other events like the, the Olympics. Uh, they've used drones for cool photo stuff. Like, it's just drones are neat. It's neat like, that we have this flying technology. The, the, the DJI is actually still pretty expensive. Um, like, these things are, you know, probably six to 600 to 1,000, depending on which model you get. Yeah, well, that's um, just because now they've got, like, cameras and sensors in them, not yeah. just for shooting, but to make sure that you don't crash the damn thing. But it's also given rise to, like, super, super low-end drones, so you can mm -hmm. just, like, go to Walmart and get, like, a $50 drone and be like, oh, yeah, yeah I, can, I can film in this 360p camera for 15 minutes. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a neat thing. Like, I feel like aerial photography is such a wonderful new use of the medium to really kind of look at uh, your art from different angles and try new things and artists have done great just, just great work with it um so i i think it's cool and i'm really glad that it kind of pushed the boundaries of not just technology but also the art and just kind of the way that both of them cohabitate together and i'm actually even more interested in the like the the other side of drones like racing drones and like trick drones and stuff like that <laughs> yeah have you have you Some seen the ridiculous. like world champion racing drone stuff like that's yeah, it's nuts. it's so cool i want to get good like that at flying i found i found the, a, a few articles about it in nebraska there's a whole bunch of like drones will come in groups in like formations 
and just like fly around <laughs> at night and like the FAA is investigating. But that's all the news they have. Man, why don't they just like jam the radio signal on one of them and have it crash? <laughs> oh no. Like look at the serial number or something. That's the last I've heard of the news. Man, that's weird. Uh, <laughs> next next item on this list, the Amazon Echo, introduced in 2014. Ah, uh, yes, the start of the in-home automation. The, the start yeah. of Jeff Bezos spying on me. <laughs> start of, like, every company needing to make a, a thing that talks to you in your house, that listens right. all the time. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that was really Siri, and then Amazon was just like, but what if Siri and sold things to you? <laughs> <laughs> Now, everybody's always worried about these things like, oh, it's always listening and sending stuff to the NSA. But I swear, I read an article one time that had a detailed breakdown on one of the Amazon Echoes and like the actual mechanism for where it listens for the keywords. Like that thing is on a chip by itself or on a PCB by itself that has firmware in it that recognizes the the keywords. And when it does recognize the word, it then makes the connection to the rest of the system that can talk to the internet and stuff like that. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't do weird things in general. (laughs) I mean, like, whether it's your phone or your Echo or, like, whatever, but I have seen so many, and I, like, my friends have done this, of doing, like, the whole, like, okay... I don't have any babies. I'm not going to Google anything about babies, but I'm just going to say things about baby food. And then all of a sudden, like they just open up Facebook and there's like a hundred messages, like, you know, ads just being like, do you need baby food? And she'd be like, how the fuck does it know if it's not listening to you? I've like, looked at a couple of videos like that, but they've always failed. Every single one I've seen has failed. I, I've, I've seen oh, really? them actually work. Yeah. So I'm just like, eh. I've seen it work. I've seen it, and I'm wondering, I've seen it in person, but I don't remember if they actually ended up Googling something about it and then saw ads about it, or if we just talked about it. I mean, there's definitely but times it's a we've talked about things, and they popped up and been like, hmm, that's questionable. <laughs> that's very questionable. Like, oh, for sure. All right, next item, the Apple Watch. I guess you yeah. could extend, extend this to, like, smartwatches in general. I mean, they probably had the first big one, right? Yeah, and each each one of these categories is a whole new genre of technology, kind of. Yeah, I, I like. I feel like the Apple Watch isn't as important as just the fact of its wearable tech. Like right. the wearable tech boom was a thing that happened, and whether it was a watch or like a jacket or whatever that you had that integrated with your smartphone, like wearable tech was a thing that happened in the past decade, and that was cool. What was the um? Was it Jawbone? Is that what the oh yeah things were called? The wristbands, mm-hmm. the Jawbone like fitness bands. Yep. Yeah. I wonder like, when tractor steps came and out. stuff. And then we quickly realized that they broke all the time, and people switched <laughs> to like Fitbit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I forgot about all that stuff. Yeah, wearable tech was a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and another Apple thing, AirPods is what they list here. Yeah. Which I gotta say, I get where they're coming from because Apple was like, "We're gonna remove the headphone jack and then start <laughs> selling these expensive wireless headphones," <laughs> and everybody was like, "I guess we'll buy them." Like, how we can't listen to stuff without them? Guess we're buying them. Yeah. And now, like when they first put them out, everybody was like, "They're so dumb. They look so dumb in people's ears. They're like tampons." They do. And look dumb. now 
I walk around the airport all day at work, and like I half imagine. the people are wearing them. I'm There's so many people. They do look dumb, though. They do look dumb. And also, they are the worst possible design for earbuds I have ever encountered. <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> awful. Like, I don't know how they haven't improved upon that over time. Uh, yeah, they released they're the... just the worst. I think just not too long ago, they released uh, AirPods Pro, which actually has a different shape to it and like a oh, rubber tip and stuff. wow. How yeah. long have they had these freaking headphones? <laughs> I do like, like iPhone the... 2 that when they got yeah. the headphones and they were I mean, awful and people were like yeah these are awful headphones but we'll use them anyway. I mean the 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 uh, Apple headphones have been since like iPods oh my gosh that that long ago yeah because you used to have so like bad. you used to have like the commercials where it was like the silhouette of the person with the white cable oh to the gosh. white headphones yeah mm-hmm mm-hmm uh yeah but they i like how they did just look at their headphones they're like what if we just cut the cables off and that's the design <laughs> yeah let's not approve upon them in any way for literally sake. just make them look the exact same as the regular ones the same shape and everything Gosh. but how much know, are they, airpod pros are they crazy expensive i feel like they're 250 oh my gosh are you kidding yep 250 that's outrageous. Regular AirPods are like 150. How much are just like You can get a set from someone else. Wireless headphones for pretty cheap. Now you can get them for like 50 bucks. Yeah. They're not all going to be equal. Like no. battery is probably like the biggest thing. Sure, yeah. Like I have um I don't like Freaking Beats as bucks, a company or bucks. like I don't like Beats products usually, but yeah. I did buy the Powerbeats Pro, their wireless, oh, yeah. their latest wireless ones, because they were reviewed pretty well, and they have like the longest lasting battery life of any of the wireless headphones I can find. Wow. So I can literally put them in at the start of work and use them all day for my 10 hour shift, and I don't have to charge them. Really? For that whole day. They won't run out in 10 hours? Nope. That's, That's about great. It's about 10 hour battery life, so... I'm not literally playing them the entire 10 hours, but the most, most of the time I actually have something playing a podcast or music or whatever, because my job is very isolated and independent, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> uh, next thing on this list, interesting choice, interesting choice, the Nintendo switch. <laughs> why, why do you say interesting? Like it didn't just change the fucking game, man. I guess it kind of did. Kinda, it absolutely does. Alienware the most influential... is running behind them. Yeah, I did see that Alienware like PC switch thing. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, making. They, it a hundred percent is the fact that they were like, "Hey, what if we had good gaming and made it mobile?" And hey. everyone's like, "Yep, seems legit, cool." Remember when they tried to do that with their previous console? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the one that mobile, you could carry about twelve mean... feet from the actual console. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, think, the, I think the better joke uh, is, you, remember when yeah. PSP was a thing? <laughs> the PSP, yeah. Because the, the, the PSP Vita was came out. The Vita came out, I feel like the Vita was basically the same thing as the Switch, except it didn't have the backing the Switch has. Yeah, yeah. I, I think all of the, the PlayStation portable things were 
exactly that. It just didn't have the love and support that Nintendo Switch now has. And everyone's like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing ever. Which, like, to be fair, it is really cool that you can have all of these kind of, like, you know, home console games in your hands rather than kind of, like, shitty downgraded versions of them for your portable. And then I can just plug it into a dock at home and play them. Like, that's just... I, I, it's a concept that they did better than their predecessors, and it just worked. Vita's way earlier. 2011. Oh, yeah. Is it? That's crazy. It had, like... it was, Like, the PSP only had one thumbstick, which I think was its biggest downfall. Yeah. The Vita had dual thumbsticks. Like, you could play real games on that thing. Right. And, like, the graphics were not terrible for the time. They, they were pretty good. They just didn't have the games. Yeah. They and like Nintendo the, comes out exclusive games made by a high profile. Yeah. Like Nintendo comes out and like here. makes the Nintendo games that you know you're going to want to play. Mm-hmm. And then everybody has a switch because they bought them for these Nintendo games. And then everybody's like, well, what if other people put the games on this? And everybody's like, I guess, I guess we will. <laughs> I guess we'll put every game out on the switch. Yeah. It's very supported because everybody likes using them. Yeah, I mean, it's a good choice, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's a solid choice. Uh, last thing on this list, they list, I didn't even know this was a thing, but it is the Xbox Adaptive Controller. This is what the is that? coolest goddamn Have you thing. ever seen it? No. It almost looks like a like a DJ pad or something. Like turntables? Yeah, it looks yeah, like no, turntables almost. You gotta, you gotta see the back of it. Oh, because yeah. what, what this picture isn't showing you is that the back of this thing has like 20 some 3.5 millimeter ports. Oh. And what it's doing, like the entire cool thing about this is that they Microsoft really opened up the door of just being like, how are we able to make games that can be played by everyone? And so people that have limited mobility or maybe need to modify their controller in some way can have this and they can then have it mapped to different sensors and buttons and things like that. So that way you can play an entire game by using like parts of your body that you you and I wouldn't use because we have hands that work. Uh, But you would be able to, you know, maybe... If you have trouble hitting A and B buttons because they're so close together, that you'd have like kind of these pads that would connect to the back of this thing, so and you would just use your elbows or something uh, like that. And so, like when you see one of these things in action, there's like 15 different things like hooked up to the back of it, going to all of these different areas. But it's really cool because like it's a, it's a huge hit at hospitals, and people are able to use these to help rehabilitate patients. To you know, it, it's just it's just such a cool thing to see them do this for a community that doesn't see a lot of love and support, especially in the gaming industry. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the one thing that I've really been proud of, of the gaming industry in the past, I'd say about 10 years is really seeing them go from like almost not even thinking about uh, gamers that have some sort of disability to there's now so much like not even just from a controller standpoint, but even in the software standpoint, we have games that used to, 
you know, the, the maybe, maybe you could get captions in a game. And now we've got games that are like, okay, cool. You can get captions. How big are the captions? What color do you want the captions to be? Are you colorblind? Do you want different colors for all of the different things in that you like that pop up? So that way you can see them more clearly. You know, do you want better sounds? Are you a arachnophobic person and just don't want to deal with spiders? Like, That's a weird one I've seen recently. Yeah. Pop up like twice. And but, I was like, wait a second. Multiple games have done this with. That's, that's such a neat thing like they're really starting to consider all of the people out there and all of the players and really be able to just because it, it doesn't really cost them a lot to be able to make games be able to have those extra five you know 10 percent of their player base expand by being able to have those kind of options in it and i feel like that's just such a cool thing and i want them to continue doing that and to continue supporting this kind of community so that way we can have more people playing games well said <laughs> i only wrote like three articles about this <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah so that's uh, that's all the things on this uh list so time magazine look out for the segment next time <laughs> we'll uh, see if it returns my goodness let's 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 dive into uh since we were talking about you know controllers and gaming let's talk about what games we've been playing lately what have you been playing lately let's start with caleb All right, i've been playing a few things i wanted to catch up on a couple of things to see how they were for game of the year podcast just in case i missed something good so i played a bunch of uh pathologic 2 that game is super weird <laughs> And freaky. It's very yeah. strange. Like the opening sequence is very confusing and like you're flip flopping in time back and forth for like a good it's like a good thirty minute intro. And you're seeing all these people in crow masks and they're talking to you like you are outside of existence. It's so weird. And then it drops you into the actual like game and it's just kinda like, Alright, here you go. Kind of nudges you. And Man, it's weird. It's so hard to explain. But uh, it's pretty neat so far. It's got a weird horror aspect where you're in this town where everyone hates you and you gotta like hide from them constantly. It's like a... You remember that game? Shoot. Ah, oh, I've forgotten now. I'm almost there. <laughs> I don't have it. You remember the game with the, the English cops? And you had to take the your joy? English there we go. You had to take your joy. Oh, um... I Oh, God, yes. I know exactly what you're talking we about. Happy yeah. We Happy Few. We Happy Few. Yes, that game. All right, feels like that, but if everybody was always mad at you instead of just when you're not taking your joy. So it, it's neat. I need to play some more of it to really get a feel for the plot line, but it's pretty cool. Uh, I've been playing some Crying Sons. This is a game I think I mentioned a while back because I played a demo of it, but I finally put in some more time in it. It's it's very uh, FTL-like. You move through the various sectors, upgrading your ship and getting new members and whatnot. But it's got kind of a... Uh, it's more focused on like ships and squadrons in combat instead of like your little guys running around your ship. Okay. So you have... You have like a, a hull section that you can upgrade and whatnot. You have a dock section that you can upgrade to include more ships. And as you go, you kind of get these new ships. And there's like a, a rock, paper, scissors kind of feel to it. 
So you have like fighters and drones and frigates, and each ones are strong against one, but weak against the other. And you got to move or maneuver them around this hex grid until you reach the enemy, like destroyer or whatever, and blow it up. And it's it's kind of interesting. Uh, it doesn't. I'm not going to say it's better than FTL because it's not, but it's got some interesting things going on where there's these weird objectives on the map where you have to jump down to a planet and use your officers to like accomplish goals in order to find scrap and unlock new characters and whatnot. So it's it's neat and it's got like a storyline that's far more interesting than FTL since FTLs is just run from the bad guys. But it's it's neat. You might want to try it out if you're interested in that kind of thing. FTL has the storyline of episode eight, dude. That's so good. <laughs> it really does. What? <laughs> Star Wars episode eight, when the oh. entire movie is just them running away from the other ship. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It does. <laughs> good point. <laughs> wow, that's upsetting. Um, uh, all right, I've been playing some Absalov End of Gods. This is just a, a little adventure game. It's got some horror aspects where you're essentially you can't um, you can't like at least at the early parts. I'm like probably a quarter of the way through the game. You can't interact with the bad guys except for dying to them. So you got to just sneak around them and whatnot, which makes it weird because there's a difficulty. It's like a choose your difficulty, but that doesn't make any sense when you're just playing a stealth game, I feel like. When you can't actually fight things, well, they're worse at spotting you, maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that that doesn't—that's nothing, right? <laughs> like that's garbage. So I don't really know what that's for. Uh, but it's got kind of an interesting story going on. It's got a bunch of Norse mythology. You're traveling to um, Niflheim and Helheim and all those places. You got to travel through the different worlds and find these skulls. Why skulls? I don't. I don't know. That's not clear. Okay. But it is mildly interesting so far. Not not sure. Uh, Alex and I have played some police stories. This is a, this is a game I've oh, yeah. enjoyed quite a bit recently. So this this game isn't there is another game that I think was similarly named that we tried out at uh PAX last year. It was police something, and it was more of a game that you, like, sent out police cars to check out disturbances and, like, oh, try to, like... You are talking about... It's like, this is the police or something like that? This yeah. is the police. Yeah. Yeah, okay. See, when you first started talking that you guys were playing this, I first thought it was that. And now I realize that it's something completely different. <laughs> yes, it is. So, police stories, it's almost like, um... What's that 80s style... Kill everything in the building. Hotline Miami. Yeah, I was going to say, a hot, it looks like it's Hotline Miami. It's almost Hotline Miami-like. You, you kind of have the same thing where you got the, the rooms you got to clear and get rid of all the bad guys and whatnot. But this has got a twist where you're policemen, right? So you can't just go in guns blazing, kill the civilians, kill people who haven't even drawn weapons on you. So you got to kind of play it slow and tactical, and you got to like call out that you want somebody to drop down to the ground and put their hands in the air and if they immediately draw a weapon on you you can like shoot them and you don't get like penalized or anything but if they haven't drawn a weapon and they're just looking at you you can't just shoot them because you know you're a police officer so you gotta like run up smack them and get them to like drop to the ground and then you can handcuff them 
Or you can like fire a warning shot off to the side sometimes. And sometimes that'll make them drop to the ground. And it it constantly gives you new gadgets as you play through the levels. Like we got pepper spray for interrogating people. If there's like a bomb that you need to get the code to to shut it off. It seems it's pretty cool. I like it. I think if you're going to play it, you got to play it in online mode because man, local is rough (laughs) for the second player. Because yeah. the camera follows the first player. Ooh. And there you are. That's, that's what I you tried got. to give you first player and you won't take it. <laughs> I know. That's because you can't we can't just swap characters. Oh my gosh. It's got like a storyline, <laughs> which is which is nice. Yeah. And uh it's definitely tactics hotline Miami, essentially. Like yeah. it's, it's like a way slower version of Hotline Miami. Much slower, much more tactical, yeah. You know, uh, check your I- angles and stuff. Man, it's pretty cool. Yeah, you can Alex throw... has a tendency to just walk out and look neither left nor right <laughs> and just get nice. shot in the side. Nice. What, what are you doing? We'll look often, both ways before you cross the hallway. We'll often like set up and I'll be next to the door to where I can open it and then he'll like stand back and get ready to throw a flashbang. Yep. And then I'll like open the door, the flashbang will go through, we'll hide for a second while it goes off and then rush in. Stuff like that. It's Neat. a lot of fun in co-op. Um, the last thing on my list is another game that Alex and I have been playing, but we've been playing it with Aaron and Ava as well. And it's Satisfactory. It's on the Epic Store. It's in uh, early access right now. It's basically first-person Factorio. Okay. And you guys loved Factorio. Factorio's a lot of fun, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so far, Satisfactory is really cool. The last, the last thing we did in Satisfactory was we made a space elevator and then launched some resources up it. I think I think the plot for it is you are working for a company and your goal is to drop onto this planet, build up a factory, harvest a bunch of resources and send them back up to the corporation. Got you. Right? Is that right, Alex? Yeah, pretty much. What I'm getting from it at least. And so like as you send up resources, they drop down new tech for you to use or build. And I don't I don't know for sure what the end goal is. You know? No, I don't know yet. I thought it was a space elevator when I but first played it, <laughs> but we built one pretty early. So and that's still not like it. a lot of tasks. Yeah, but the nice thing is it does give you like goals to work towards. So it's not just super open ended near just building stuff for no reason. Right. That's something Factorio didn't really do ever. Yeah. It was just like, all right, build what you can. But in this one, there's like consistent steps and it makes it much more. It makes. It makes it a lot easier to handle, at least for me, because I'm not big into the crafting games. Yeah, it gives you some direction. Yeah. Because otherwise, I sit there like, all right, they're doing their thing. I don't know what I should be working on, which is actually kind of what Aaron fell into a little bit when he was was. playing with us. (laughs) It was. And then we kept on complaining about power usage, and (laughs) finally he was like, that's it. That's going to be my thing. I'm the power (laughs) guy. And he like went and made like a whole power production facility. (laughs) It was pretty cool. Yeah, and then he got we gave him a um chainsaw and he's just been cutting down trees and turning it into biofuel. Great. Pretty good. I like um conveyor belts in games. Conveyor yes. belts are cool. Conveyor belts are great. This is great. You can also run on them, which is fantastic. I guess you could do that <laughs> in Factorio too. Yeah, you could. I kind of forgot about that. Alright. Uh so you said you were catching up for game of the year. Any of these going to edge out anything on your list? No. 
<laughs> no. You sure? Pathology I mean, sounds I have pretty good. I enjoyed police stories quite a bit, but no. And pathology, but no. All right, Owen, what you got for us today? Uh, so I actually started playing Red Dead Redemption 2 on my PC since it finally made it out to the PC world oh, wow. uh, in December. And um, it's a game. <laughs> <laughs> All of our responses when it came out. Yeah. Like, I I, dis- I was discussing this earlier with a friend, and my, my point was like, I understand the art direction and how they were like, we're really going to make this feel like the, the wild West. And we're really going to make you feel like a cowboy and all of that. And like, you feel like a cowboy. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, you, you do get that feeling when you're taking the 15 minutes, you know, horse ride to the next town over. And I'm just, Oh God. Like Alfred Hitchcock once said that, films are just life with the boring parts cut out (laughs) and this they feel like i not only that but they just left all of the boring parts in (laughs) they i feel like they put extra boring parts in and took the fun parts out like there are don't get me wrong i'm having some fun parts in there there are some parts where i'm like okay this is neat like i'm shooting up this area or i'm doing this stuff like there are still some fun things but i feel like this is just way too much there's way too much that i can uh customize when it comes to my character and my horse and everything like i was looking at the guns and just the level of customization that you can just pick the different types of metal for every single metal piece inside of your gun is just ridiculous for something that i was just like i never really see it so why the fuck would I spend all of this time and money and effort to have this gun look super... I don't know. It's just... There's so many things about it that I don't understand, and I hope that maybe playing it for a couple more hours will. But as far <laughs> as I'm looking at it now, I'm just like, this game kind of sucks. And I really hope that Grand Theft Auto 6 isn't bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. If they go this direction with Grand Theft Auto 6, I'm going to be so upset. Yeah, like... <laughs> Would you be this like it would be very upsetting if they're like, okay, here's Grand Theft Auto 6. And now uh, here's like some cinematic things you can do with your car while you're driving the 15 minutes between missions and there's nothing really happening between them. Just so you can feel like you're in this real world and driving a car. And I'm just like, I don't I don't want hey man, that. They already got that in GTA 5. Yeah. Like you can I do already- your cinematic views where you're cameras attached to your front left wheel i i already feel like their gta 5 is too large of a place (laughs) because anytime that it's just like hey go to the end of the map and you're like fuck me can i just quit this (laughs) mission can i do a different one i don't want to drive all the way up there that's a good 10 minute drive to go all the way around these yeah like i don't yeah, open worlds have gotten too big recently. Yeah. And imagine you can hit a button that puts it in the cinematic camera, but then also the car drives itself. Ah, right, right, right. Because imagine, that's what point. happens with the horse, right? Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, that might be better than GTA 5's version, which is cinematic <laughs> camera where you cannot drive. Because I, I man, it's impossible. Like, cool looks, but you know, you do need to drive your car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just feel like it's one of those things that I'm just like, if you're going to make worlds this big, you better have a crap ton of fast travel. And like, 
I understand the point of not really having a lot of support of the fast travel, or at least as far as I've gotten, not a lot of a lot of support of fast travel, is so that way you can immerse yourself in these big, beautiful worlds that they've built and everything. But I'm also just like, I will notice that because I am the type to notice that. You don't need to stop the fun of the game for like ten minutes yeah. for me to notice. Mm-hmm how beautifully the, the surroundings are like i will legitimately pan my camera around and go wow this is a really breathtaking place and then walk i don't need 10 minutes to do that um yeah, also, it's just so it strange even... to me that we have all these thoughts in this game and then there's like another section of people that are like this is like the best game ever made i yeah, don't understand I cannot comprehend I I just I don't it's it's just such a weird thing and I'm trying like on one hand I get it because like yeah it's relaxing and it's very immersive and it does really break you out of the you know um what's the word that I'm looking for it it breaks you out of the cycle of just you know get the quest complete the quest get the quest complete the quest you know and like get your reward and hitting that endorphin hit every time that you're completing the thing like I get that it breaks that and really tries to put you in this world and make you feel like a cowboy but as I'm sitting there as a cowboy I'm just like wait life sucks for these motherfuckers (laughs) yeah like that's not a world I want to live. In. Yeah, I was like, oh, I, this is like this seems like someone took all of the boring parts of Sims and then just threw in like Red Dead One, and I'm just like, okay, sure. I also feel, at least thus far, as far as the campaign of it is concerned, that there is another thing that is often told of when you're making a show or a movie, you show, you don't tell. If you want your audience to know something, if you want them to feel something, you show them this. You do not tell them about it. Whereas I've spent the past 30 minutes listening to some fucking fight that happened before I even started playing the game. And I'm just like, okay, so like, why are we here? Just something happened? Okay, cool. I guess I'll find out what happened on that boat eventually. And I just... It just seems like such a weird way of introducing things to me rather than just why not just show the thing that went wrong and then us on the run. And that's when I pick up the controller because then I'm like, cool, I saw what went wrong and I know why I'm here. Like it's it it seems like the same way that like in GTA five, it starts out with the big heist that went wrong. Right. And so then you understand why everybody is where they are. And where this was, you don't get to see the big thing that went wrong. This is just, we're going to tell you about it in explicit detail during all of these 15-minute walks that you have to do in your (laughs) tutorial missions. And I'm just like, this sucks. All of this sucks. This is terrible game design on so many levels. It's terrible storytelling. It's terrible game design. It's the way that they teach you the mechanics of the game is also bad because they give you stuff that are like, here, here's the mechanics of how this one specific thing works that we're going to take 30 minutes to tell you about. But then they're not going to mention how the warning system works or bounties. And so then you're just like, cool. So I spent all of that time knowing how to hunt. But then once I get in trouble with the law, I don't understand how to deal with that. Like, it just seems so perplexing to me that it's whoever QA'd this, I have a lot of questions for them because I feel like they did a terrible job. But yeah, I played that. I played some GTA online uh, because it's actually good and it's fun. 
when you can actually load in. So maybe that'll get fixed on GTA 6. Uh, also been doing a lot of Pokemon trading and hunting in Pokemon Sword. Because I'm getting ready for the DLC that's coming out in a couple months. Nice. So that'll be neat. What have you been playing, Alex? Yeah, um, so I played a lot of Fallen Order. Woo. And I, I finished it. You so. finished it? Yeah, and I think all three of us have finished it at this point, yes. right? Yes. I believe that's did accurate. You, did, did you understand that Ilum is Starkiller base? No. <laughs> okay, yeah, see? That's the same reaction I had I when my friend was that. like, did you not get, like, you're, you see the trench? Like, you see the huge planet trench? And I was like, no, I missed it. I don't... Yeah, nope. no, I'm, that, I'm not that into the new movies. Did, did not understand that. I just saw is Ice Planet was on Ice Planet did my thing. <laughs> like, yeah. But I, I guess that's cool that it ties into the movies. I apparently played this game for 23 hours, according to Steam. That seems mm. about right. Freaking How Long to Beat tells me it should take 16 hours. I don't understand it. That's Rushed... For- is like 12 main right yeah for main but like what what do you mean by main plus extras like are they just like legitimate like the, there's a lot of exploration that i didn't even like i didn't go back to planets really i just followed the main quest kind of i don't know i went back and did like, like everything yeah i, mean, I, I think i literally did everything like yeah fully completed I it took me so took me long 25 hours it looked, took me so long to get through. First of all, I finally started feeling like I was getting good at the game. I was like <laughs> crushing dudes left and right. Mm-hmm. You get all the way through to the end and you fight the second sister. <laughs> and I'm like, F you second sister. Why are you so much harder than everybody else? Yeah, the second sister and that one guy on whatever that one Sithy planet was. Daphimir. Daphimir. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Both of the, those were the dude just... that looks like he's stripped right out of a God of War game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Both sure of does. those fights were just so hard, and I was just like, what the heck? That was when I ran into the the part that I was talking about earlier about the game being like, do you want to try this on an easier difficulty? Are you <laughs> sure? And I'm just like, no. I'm going to walk <laughs> back and fight this dude on Dathomir again and just... Mm. Man, okay, so spoiler alert for people that haven't finished the game, but <gasps> the... The very end. (laughs) (laughs) Don't listen. Skip five minutes if you haven't finished the game. Uh, The very end when Darth Vader shows up, I was like, oh, good. Good cameo. Oh, man, so good. And I was like, you're going to fight him. (laughs) Nope. You're going to fight him. And then, like, you start the fight, and it's just like, nah. (laughs) You got to run. He's too strong. It's like, you lose. Good try. And then, if you go look at the. If you go look at the flavor text, like after you see him and he gets scanned or whatever, you go look at the flavor text. And it's like uh, he's too strong. Uh, the yeah. only thing that helps is running away. Sorry, <laughs> we there's no like tricks to defeating this guy. Yeah, I I think it was very interesting because when in my playthrough when I had that moment and Darth Vader shows up, I was like, I need to run now (laughs) and then it was like you're running and i was like perfect thank you game this is great it's great because your character is like wielding his either two sabers or like two-handing a saber yeah yeah and he's like going at it and then darth vader's just like yeah okay and he just like barely moves his arms 
and like destroys you. It's like, yeah, that's when Seer Seer like leaps at him right in the beginning and he just like flicks his fingers up and she goes (laughs) flying off. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's definitely got the um like it's a little weird, the Darth Vader character uh, the Darth Vader character, because like you watch the original trilogy and it's like this guy's struggling to move. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then like you watch him in modern fiction and he's like the ultimate like badass yeah right like i don't reminded me of um the very end of rogue one yeah when he's like super cool he's just taking people out he's just stabbing everybody i can't believe they kept that that under wraps yeah because that didn't i've never seen that leaked anywhere really yeah i didn't I didn't see it at all. And I mean, and I just finished the game now. It's been out for months and yeah. I never got spoiled oh. on it either. Yeah. Not the EA trailer there. The the first game trailer that was like, here's Darth Vader. Oh, uh, no. really? I yeah. never watched that. Nope. Wow. Well, okay. Never mind then. Yeah. No, I mean, that's like, kind of messed up. If they show that in, a trailer. in the trailer of the game, because people were saying, <laughs> if you wanted to play the game, don't watch any of the trailers because it's just straight up. First thing that happens is they're like Darth Vader's in it, and you're like, "Cool, okay." Man, <laughs> like, that's messed up. Yeah, that is. I, I, I think the one thing for me that I left that game with was after the entire thing happens, and you look at your crew that you've assembled throughout the uh, galaxy, and you're like, "Okay, cool. Now what do we do?" And I'm just sitting there, and I was like, "I just want to recruit more people." And I want to go through the galaxy and find more people and have them on my ship and then come back to my ship and talk to all of them. And then I was like, I just want another KOTOR. Just give me a new... It doesn't even need to be KOTOR. Just give me that style of gameplay. But, like, now. (laughs) I was thinking about going to fight the Reapers is what you're going to get to. <laughs> yeah, I, I again also it is a great thing. Just give me a thing that I can like get a bunch of people and then do a cool thing at the end that like all of my decisions mattered and I like I'm recruiting people for some big fight like just uh, Man, you know what games so for well you done. Outer Worlds. Yep. Have you no played kidding. that yet? Not yet. Oh, I man. thought about that earlier when we were talking about how big open world games are now. That game is like so manageable in yeah. its size. It's wonderful. It's very refreshing. Yes, it is. You should absolutely play it. Um, so I also have played some Modern Warfare. Ugh, the, why? The new Call of Duty. <laughs> <laughs> it was on sale uh, for 40 bucks, And like I know the CODs don't really go on sale that often. Mm-hmm. And I've just been curious mm-hmm. about it because they're kind of resetting. So... Yeah, you you know. say that when you all you have to do is just wait till next year, and then they're definitely on sale. <laughs> yeah, I guess if I wanted to play last year's game, <laughs> Owen. Yeah, I'm sure that there's still tweens that will yell at you and <laughs> scream racial slurs. You're not missing much. Actually, I haven't played any of the multiplayer yet. I'll check it out at some point. Wait, but... you, there's a, there's a campaign in this game. There is a campaign in this one. What? Yeah, they went back. I thought they were done with campaigns. I thought they just finally were just like, we know no one plays this. No, so yeah, it's I've been playing the campaign. I know it's super short. I haven't finished it yet, but I, apparently it's like five hours or something. Very, very short. But it it's incomprehensible. I don't know what's going on in the story. <laughs> um, yeah, but okay. it's fun. I don't know that they, they put you in various cities around the world and you'd have very cool looking set pieces and 
you shoot a lot of guys with guns that feel good. Sometimes I consider going and playing one of those campaigns, and then I'm like, wait a second. I can Titanfall. just go replay Titanfall 2's yeah. campaign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so freaking good. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. It's cool. Like, There's this one level that the the only thing you do is you're just infiltrating this like three-story house mm. and it's in the middle of the night so you're night visioned up and you've got like a couple other guys in your squad and you're like tactically taking and clearing each room pretty yeah. cool pretty fun yeah they do have some cinematic moments in that game that you don't get in a lot of others yeah so i i mean probably not worth the forty dollars I spent on it because it's going to be a very short experience, and I don't know if I'll play much of the multiplayer. But yeah, you kind of have to be a multiplayer guy to get your money's worth out of a COD. Wait a second, I got to shout it on for a second. Owen, have you played Titanfall 2's campaign? I have not played Titanfall I, 2, so you suck. <laughs> I know it was very quiet when you were talking about. It's on my list of things to do. I know that Titanfall 2 is really get good. The game for like five dollars. I know. <laughs> Gosh. It's like a six-hour campaign. It's I, so worth it. I, I've heard it's extremely good. This is the, probably yeah. the best like military shooter campaign I've ever played. And like Caleb plays it on really hard difficulty, and I'm like the opposite. So much fun. I play it. So the first time I played it, I played it like a normal person. Played it on like <laughs> regular, or maybe like one step above regular. I don't know. Yeah. But for my repeat plays, I put it on the easiest difficulty possible, just and I just fly like, through it. I just wall ride through the entire game, man. Yeah. It is so fun. It is a blast. It's a it's a blast playing it any way you play it. You feel like a god. I'll, I'll I'll like put it all the way up to veteran difficulty, so that way they just do nothing but throw grenades at me for forever. <laughs> See, Alex, the one benefit of playing on the super hard difficulty is when you get to that last mission and you you actually feel like amazing flying through, killing everything. Oh, you know the mission finally, I'm talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, cool man anyway uh, games that we are actually relevant right now <laughs> no, yeah. that are relevant yeah. to now uh overwatch is still relevant overwatch yeah overwatch is super relevant i have been playing more of that we've i've been getting we've been back into ranked a lot. a lot lately yeah we've been doing mm-hmm. all right with ranked too i got support to gold there you go I'm pretty good about that eventually what you'll else, get it up to diamonds with me <laughs> oh man Anyway, like Overwatch stuff. <laughs> Overwatch is Overwatch. There, there's some new stuff going on in Overwatch. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on with Overwatch. We've got the new event that came out. Yep, which, uh, you know, same old, same old skins look like shit or awesome, depending on who you're looking at. They put out that PTR balance patch that was supposed to destroy Doomfist, but I hear it's not quite as bad. Yeah, I don't think that Doomfist isn't nearly as bad. It does nerf May a bit and give D.Va a boost to make D.Va less awful, which is probably needed. And May has just always been a weird, broken character, so I'm glad that she's getting a bit nerfed. Man, everybody, when we read the patch notes for PTR and we read the Doom change, they were like, oh, it's not that much. Every single like high-level player that I've seen on YouTube has been so angry about that change. Yeah. Well, (laughs) it's it's so interesting to see how like they adjust to just one little thing and then everybody's either up in arms for it or against it when it changes such little aspects of the gameplay for a majority of people that you wouldn't even notice. Like, 
I know that apparently Doomfist's fist takes longer longer to charge from one of the nerfs that happened in the past year. I couldn't yep. tell you that that was a thing. I haven't noticed it <laughs> because I don't play Doomfist that much. But there are people that just like live and breathe that, and just be like, so the, that split second now kills me every time. It's, the, like, it's not that bad. I think the change was it, when you uppercut, it gives you. Originally, it was like 0.2 seconds that you yeah. can't do anything, and they were going to change it to 0.5 seconds. Yeah. Which, half a second's pretty long in, in a fast-paced shooter. Yeah. That you can't do anything except turn, I think. Yeah. You cannot, like, air strafe. You can't use any can't of your other abilities. fire your left click. Yeah, you can't fire. It's a pretty Ridiculous. long time to be like that. So people yeah. are like saying like using your uppercut is is essentially like a suicide button it's it's essentially like getting flashbanged but you do it to yourself like <laughs> all that kind of stuff um very angry about it <laughs> and so i think they reduced it to 3. Point f- or 0. 0.35 i think yeah seconds so 0. 0.2 to 0. 0.35 instead of 0. 0.5 a little bit of a middle ground i guess yeah I don't know. I don't think it's too bad. But yeah, they, you know, people will complain and we'll see how it actually affects anything when it comes out and how the general public reacts to it. I think the funniest thing was that there, I forget dude's name. I'm not like that in tune with Overwatch League, but there's that one guy that picked up on a team and basically he's just a Doomfist one trick. <laughs> and everybody was like, why is he getting put into the Overwatch League? He only plays one character. And then he was out there, like, very angry about the change. <laughs> like, <laughs> yep. like, they specifically targeted him or something, you know? Yeah, that's the one thing I always find weird with the Overwatch League is that, like, any time that they do anything like that, any of those kind of, like, little bits and changes, you know, it, it, it changes who's good and who's not. You know, you're, you're legitimately changing the way that things work uh, on the fly as the league goes on and that's just kind of weird like i i understand like you know between seasons but like especially while like during a season like last year is a great example of how like we went into like the washington justice built a team around having a strong tank but then goats meta came in because goats started being really good and that was then the entire thing was goats 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 which we didn't build the team on that we sucked at it. And then the second they turned goats off and were just like, okay, cool, you have to do this. Literally, we were breaking records as one of the best teams that stage <laughs> and also setting records on DPS done on characters, DPS done in general on maps and stages. Like, just it was a suddenly a different game. And it was just a small little thing. And I just always feel like that's such a weird thing that I hope that they do less of, but they will continue doing, um, you know, for, for season three here of Overwatch League that's starting next month is, you know, it's it's going to start out as one thing and then halfway into some of the stages, it'll be something completely different. And then you're just going to be like, all right, cool. So I guess that one team that I was rooting for that I thought was going to win now sucks because somebody over in Jeff's corner decided that this wasn't a good idea. Hmm. That's interesting to think about. Like a lot of um Dota tournaments like they don't they like they hold back patches until competitive stuff is done. And then they'll release it and then the meta shifts and then they'll go back into like a a tournament or something like that. Yeah. So that's I, interesting I, if it's like halfway through. 
I, I feel like they should wait because otherwise you're really messing up a lot of, you know, like I, I think this season, last season is a very good example of the fact that watching the playoffs wasn't exactly super fun because there were various amounts of teams that got into the playoffs because of GOATS comp. And then when, since GOATS comp was no longer a meta thing in the playoffs and they had to play real goddamn com- like comps, they didn't know how. Because the only reason they got there was because they played goats. And so then right. you just like watch this one team just dunk on the other team because one of them was somewhat competent and the other one was just a goats one trick team. And you're like, oh, well, this isn't a fun playoffs to watch. They don't seem nearly at the same skill level. Yeah. At, at the same time, though, it's way better for the general player base if they just update stuff. Yeah. It, they they need to update stuff for the general uh, player base all the time. But I mean, maybe I, they have an alternate like patch for Overwatch I mean, League. They they do that a little bit. Like they hold characters back from <laughs> coming into like it'll the characters may be live on uh, regular Overwatch, but they can't play it in Overwatch League yet for like a little bit of time to give teams the ability to play, strategize, work on that character because they just like it's a new thing. So they do it a little bit, but then they also then do dumb stuff that it's it's weird. It's definitely a weird thing that I feel like is very specific to esports and is going to be a problem that esports continually run into of just kind of be like, OK, well, how do you deal with you know the fact that the, you're evolving the game so rapidly and making it so vastly different than other sports that are out there like as an example i think a lot of like if you were to do a patch update to like i don't know football you just be like okay what if you got an extra down if you ran the ball so many more teams would be running the ball and that's basically what they do in esports it's just like okay cool we're gonna change how the game works a little bit and now everybody plays the game like just differently it's no longer a passing game it's a running game kind of thing Right. Very weird that they do that in between like group stages. Yeah. Just and... do it at the end. Just wait till yeah. the end and do it wait in a new season. Over. Yeah. Like I get that the the stages are pretty long. I mean, it goes from February all the way until the middle of the summer. I think it's like till July or something like that. Sure, so, but man, yeah. changing it up mid season is not exactly ideal it, I, don't I, I don't think it it plays well i think it looks bad on your players and yourselves and then you have like weird playoffs and teams that are like ranked really well that shouldn't be and then teams that you know sucked the entire season and all of a sudden are good and probably should make the playoffs like it's just odd speaking of changing it up um we just had news come straight from jeff on the blizzard forums they're talking about alternatives to 222 and he was talking about essentially uh they've been playtesting internally a 321 comp which would be three damage two supports one tank i and they basically said like for two months that that's been like the default that they play on when they play test and they said he didn't really say anything specific about it, but he said that it fixes a lot of problems, but it also introduces a lot of problems. So no word on if that will actually ever actually come to the real game, but maybe mm-hmm. it's like an alternate mode or something. I 
I get angry thinking about that. <laughs> Just because they did such a big, huge fiasco thing about being like, okay, you're now you're stuck. You gotta do two, two, two. It has to be two, two, two because it's gotta be. And now they're like, nah, three, two, one. That's fine. Like it's just. <laughs> I, I don't know, like, that just rubs me such a wrong way, because, like, it they didn't just try to nerf things around Goats Comp. They specifically put in a thing that's, like, stopped Goats from being a thing. They yeah. specifically put in a thing that's just being like, you must play two of each of these, and now you will never be able to play Goats. And I said, when they did that, it was a bad idea, because you would also stop doing, like, exactly a 3-2-1 comp or a 4-2 uh 4-2 comp you know like it, it, or 4-1-1 like there's there's so many compositions that it now limits you to exactly 2-2-2 and i get very frustrated because that's exactly what i said was going to be the problem and now them being like maybe we'll give you 3-2-1 and i'm just like but why because then what are you gonna do have three two ones versus two two twos and then people are gonna be like that's not fair because the three two one to comps are gonna have way more dps or way more flexibility than the two 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 comps they they definitely have to pair them up with equal yeah they would equals they would yeah. never do two 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 versus three two one yeah like I, that it just, happen. it's such a weird thing and then also have to like, be a separate matchmaking like yeah, yeah. I, and also looking at some of it being like well you have so many fucking dps players of course you can do a three two one <laughs> because you have so many options whereas right. like you still have what nine supports <laughs> like it, it, it's kind of like a hey if overwatch 2 is coming out Give us more tanks, more supports to even all of this out, and then maybe two 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 won't be as bad as you think it is. Yeah, or have more characters that kind of like bleed that edge a little bit more. Like I think Baptiste is a really cool character because there are a lot of people that are running Baptiste as a DPS pick, and that's cool. That's a cool way to see that position used. But then when they're doing that, that's a they're basically doing a three two one inside of the constraints of doing a two two two. So right. why I don't know. I think you either shouldn't have touched it in the first place or you stick to your guns with the two 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 doing this whole like, well maybe we'll switch it up to this or maybe we'll switch it up to that. Because then think... someone's gonna find someone someone's gonna find something broken about it. And then yeah. everyone's gonna be like, Well, everybody just plays snipers and no one does this anymore, and so we now need to nerf all of this stuff to make it not super broken. Well, I mean, that's just like the never-ending live game <laughs> service. Like, yeah. something's constantly overpowered and we have to change it. Yeah. But I, I think the the main concern that they're trying to address is uh, queue times and how there's way more people that want to play DPS. Yeah. So, like, if it was possible to skew the matchmaking to where there's more slots open for DPS players, that's something that they would be interested in, I guess. And queue times can be pretty bad, so yeah, that seems like a reasonable yeah. option. I, I just... Mm. I <laughs> I have much more fun playing... And, and I know, like... How do I say this without sounding dickish? Um, <laughs> when I... You can't. Yeah, I know. It's... <laughs> when I was playing Overwatch in the... What was like, Open Division... Uh, with the team and everything, 
and we were like doing practices and like that kind of stuff like it was a different game it 100 percent was a different game than the overwatch that you and i play together uh it just it's it's a you you do things that you wouldn't do because of the communication and the team play that you have and the combo maneuvers that you do and like it's just it's a very different feel and a different game type and it's it's a very different thing and so to like the the point of that is basically just like that was a very fun thing and adding three two one just changes that because basically even though goats was a thing mainly when you had a team composition you always had your main heal your off heal that maybe could like like flip to uh, switch to something else and like the same thing with your tanks and everything and so that way if you were getting like super trashed on something or and you needed to switch things around maybe one of your tanks would go a third support or maybe your you know your second support would go to a dps player and there was just kind of this constant shifting ball that you guys would be and playing together and it was just such a different game and it was a lot of fun and that's just a limited thing with 222 and it'll be a limited thing with 321 and is just it's 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 just not the same and i feel like they shouldn't do that at least 222 got close to that and kept it near there and i was like fine but i i don't feel like switching it from uh, to other types of comps is going to be good <laughs> Before we move on past Overwatch, there is one mm-hmm. thing they added in the recent patch that I like is uh, flex rolls. You can pick multiple rolls now when you queue. Great. Oh, you get plugged neat. into one. Fantastic. Because I yeah. don't like deciding. I'll play whatever. Go. <laughs> wow, that actually solves my issue that I had when they first changed it to 222, which was you are going to select one of the roles, so you're probably just not going to ever play the other two. <laughs> yep. Because you'll be working on getting that SR up, so then if you if you have a flex role, though, you can just be like, whatever, man. Yeah. Going to work on all of them. You can, cool. you can select as many as you want. Neat. And then you, it'll pick you from among those. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I think that's, that's... A, that's, a, that's very good, since like both my tank and my support are in the same area. I'd love to be able to just pick either of them and just be like, I really don't care what. I just want to be playing Overwatch, so Tangers will yeah. go. Yep. That's really cool. Some really not cool stuff happening. Cyberpunk <laughs> 2077 got delayed. What a segue. I think it's good. But yeah, <laughs> that does suck. You're going to be fine. Really good segue. Really bad news. Cyberpunk 2077 got delayed. <laughs> and by what, five months? Five months, so from April, what was it, like 14th, 16th, something like that? Yeah. To something September like 17th. Yeah. Is the new date. One day before my birthday. Oh. Lucky so you. A nice, nice little come birthday out, come present. Out day before your birthday. Nice little birthday present to me. Oh, Cyberpunk 2077 got delivered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, the, okay, so cool like i have more time to catch up on other games i guess <laughs> bad part it's gonna be in september we're gonna start crunch mode for game of the year probably oh I'm yeah gonna finish cyberpunk before game of the year cast most likely mm, that might be true it's gonna be a long game i imagine it's gonna be so long mm-hmm. yeah well. but I, I feel like just the <laughs> 
a lot of games have that kind of like, oh, hey, we need a couple more months to polish this off. And they've turned out to be pretty good. Uh, oh, yeah. Usually I don't care. Yeah. yeah. Like, take Usually your time, finish your game. The only reason I have a problem with this one is because they specifically said on a number of occasions, oh, <laughs> we're not going to we're not going to put a date out. This game isn't coming out till we're totally done. Yeah, it is for sure. Like going to hit when we say it will. And then all of a sudden they delay it five months. Yeah. I mean, it was teased in like 2013, right? Yeah. 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 And we're going to put anything out until they're ready to put it out. Hey, I'll I'll wait another five months the, for a good game. Like for years and years and years, it was always release date when it's ready. When it's ready, <laughs> we're never gonna say a date until we're sure. And uh, the they were thing, sure. Yeah, they were sure. And, <laughs> which you know what? Good on them because they say that the game is done. It's all playable. All the contents in it. They just want the five months, like basically strictly for polish. Yep. So I guess good on them for wanting to actually put it out <laughs> polished because they could totally put it out and it'd probably review well and it'd probably do okay. But, but they want it to hold. They said something about how they want it to be their crowning achievement of yeah, the generation of the generation oh of the gen. That's that's the thing that I love. It wasn't just I like we want this to be like the best game of the year. They want this to be like the game of the generation. And I'm just like, you know what? Take the five months. I'll yeah, give sure. it to you. If you're giving me a game of the generation, like, well, what generation thing... do you think they're counting it as? Do you think they're counting it as like the current generation? I guess PlayStation 4, Xbox One. Yeah, because PS5 Gen... out. Yeah, this Gen game's going to release, and then like two months later, the new consoles will be out. <laughs> yeah, so maybe it will be game of the generation just because it came out at the end. <laughs> yeah, the, the only other weird thing is they said that they're going to put out two AAA titles by 2021. Yeah, and one of, them Cyberpunk, one of them is Cyberpunk 2077. Where is the second game? <laughs> we don't even know what it is. And it's not like they said this years and years ago to where it's like, oh, like Cyberpunk ended up taking too much resources. They said this like the middle of last year <laughs> when they for sure knew how far along they were on Cyberpunk. Odd. And like how long they take to make games like yeah they do they have a, a separate secret team working on a second game somewhere and they're just gonna announce and release it maybe what pull like a lemonade and just being like bam here's a game <laughs> i don't know man it's like, so weird low-key i do wish somebody would do that because it would just fuck so much of like this whole like hype train game system shit out i mean like, apex did it yeah, that's true. I, I think Apex did it, and I think that's exactly why people were like, what is this Apex thing? Holy crap, that's really cool. Like, I think they did it really well, and I feel like more companies should do that instead and then, of like... Not quite to the same extent, but Bethesda with Fallout 4, that was like a few months, right? They announced it, quick, at, they yeah. announced it at E3, and then it was out in November? Yeah. That's, that was, that's about right. But yeah, I, so I feel like months? just more games should do that kind of a thing because then you don't have to deal as much with your like hype train and fans of just being like we want a diablo game and waited 15 fucking years <laughs> and then they're like hey we've got some diablo news and they're like yes you're announcing it it's on phones and they're like fuck you um and then the next year they're like we got diablo it's not gonna come out for a long time <laughs> yeah i, I just <laughs> feel like that's Alex just a better it. way of doing it of just being oh, like yeah. okay hey Instead of trying to like hype things up, here's just a game that we released, and all of a sudden people are like, "Oh, hey, look, it's there." I'm like, "So nice." 
I'm actually kind of surprised Valve didn't just announce and release it the same day. Yeah, I know. I kind of am too. I mean, they only got like, what, four months? Yeah. From so they only got, they only got out ahead of it a little bit, but man, <laughs> they could they could have just put it on the front page of Steam. They could have, dude. And been done. The problem was, I think the problem is because people would have to buy indexes if they wanted uh, to like, play it. You know it. what? They kind of needed to announce it ahead of time. Yeah, because they announced it and then indexes sold out and everybody's mad yeah. on the subreddit yeah. <laughs> about not being able to buy them. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. If it was a traditional game, they totally would have just dropped it. They absolutely would have, yeah. <laughs> um, Fire Emblem Three Houses is getting a DLC. It uh, adds a fourth house. It makes me it so really angry. A house, though? Yeah. It doesn't have like a full storyline. You can't I like... I don't think you can like start as that house, right? I have no idea. I, I also don't know. Just do not care. Like, <laughs> there are already 20 characters in Fire Emblem that I just don't know the names of. I will not learn them. I do not care about their existence. And now you're adding more characters for me to just throw into the bin and just being like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Like, I don't <laughs> I don't know why you do this. Like, at some point, it's just the they all look like anime people. And I'm just like, fine, sure, you like i i just don't understand why adding that i also don't understand why adding the fire emblem protagonists into super smash as the next fighter it's not like they don't already have 15 goddamn fire emblem characters in there with swords we need another one yes so different thank you so much for that it's just I love Fire Emblem, but I do feel like somebody maybe uh, just on their bandwagon a little too hard right now and needs to like just chill. <laughs> well, it's happening. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what else is happening? Yeah. Speaking of uh, no, I was speaking of things that are fire. happening, <laughs> all yeah, the that, entire continent of Australia that, being on on fire. That segue back before it started. Uh, <laughs> So Humble Bundle has released a new bundle called the Australian Fire Relief Bundle, oh. and got like twenty five games in it or something. What's, what what, what are highlights 25? inside of this bundle? Yeah, it's got freaking Hollow Knight. Oh, so that's Hollow. freaking sick. It's got Satellite Rain. Uh, it's got Armello. Oh, Hands Void Bastards. Void Bastards. I do like Hands of Fate. Mr. Shifty. Android Cactus. It's got a lot of stuff. Mr. Shifty's so good. Death yeah, Squared is so good for four people or two people. And um, all the proceeds go to um, a couple of different charities that are helping. Helping. Yeah, that's cool. That's good. I like that. Yeah. I I was kind of waiting for more stuff from like the kind of the video game side of the world for like helping support uh, and donating to things like that. Um, I know that there was. Uh, Call of Duty had an Australian deal, like a uh, like skin that you could buy, and the proceeds went to something to help out with the uh, Australia Fire Relief. Um, I don't know off the top of my head, but I thought that was really cool. I also was thinking about how um, we every year help out on Extra Life and raise money for that, and I was like, man, wouldn't it be neat if they had like an Extra Life, but for disasters like this mm -hmm. like i know that's 
a little morbid, but at the same time, I also feel like that's kind of like would be such a cool thing of just being like, hey, I'm giving up my Saturday to play a bunch of video games to try to raise money for the fires that are happening in Australia. Or, you know, if an earthquake happened and hit somewhere, you can be like, yeah, you know, I'm doing it for the earthquake. Like, I feel like that would be such a great way of not just being like, oh, I want to do something and feeling helpless, but being like, I can do something. I can do this and help fundraise, and I know that money will go here. Like, I'm sure that there's a lot of nuances in doing that as part of a nonprofit and everything, but I don't know. Yeah. Extra life. Here's an idea. Please do this. <laughs> Man, this is great. This bundle, the Australian Fire Relief bundle. One of the games in here, Paper Fire Rookie. It is, it came out last year in April. So this is well before any of this stuff started happening. It's winner of the Australian Video Game Developer Award for 2019 VR Game of the Year. It's Australian developed and it's about firefighters. And uh, it's a VR thing where you like fight fires with like water pistols and water shotguns and stuff like that. Mm. How perfect. Yeah. <laughs> That's so weird. That is weird. It's weird that they would include it too. I don't know. Uh, so, <laughs> speaking <laughs> of weird stuff, Humble sent me an email the other day and they were like, hey, check out this game Temtem. I've never heard of this I, game Temtem before. I also got that email from them being like, hey, have you heard about Temtem? And I was and like, I haven't heard about Temtem. They were like, it's out next week. And I was like, all right, cool. So I looked at it. It's freaking, it's basically Pokemon the MMO. Yes. It's so crazy looking. It looks so cool. Like, I like it, look it, it really is just like the idea of just like, hey, what if Pokemon, but you could actually play it with your friends and not just kind of do it's this all like online. Like the the can there's a storyline campaign that can be played entirely with two players. And I, like I, all cool. the battles are are built for 2v2 there's no 1v1 battles that because, has a nice strategy to it yeah instead of pokeballs they have these weird holographic card things <laughs> yeah it's it's a very it's a very interesting thing and like i didn't know that this was kind of like in the pipelines coming down and everything and i thought it was very neat um but also after playing pokemon sword and shield online and see like literally going out into the wild areas and seeing exactly this of like you running around and you see all these other trainers running around and like trying to catch other Pokemon. I I kind of feel like Pokemon maybe with the DLC will actually be there. Because uh, I know that that was the big thing that they were talking about with the two DLCs that they're adding into Sword and Shield is that they're going to be like, oh, hey, you know, the entire area is going to be a wild zone and not just a little bit of it. So that way you get more of this cool wild zone thing and you can pump into all of your friends. And so I feel like we're kind of these the Temtem probably had a really good idea. And then Pokemon is just going to be there and do it better. <laughs> Sorry. You think it'll be better? I don't know. In terms of like online connectivity and stuff like that, like I think this is going to be way way yeah. more like it's built for the the social aspect like the pokemon stuff you can see people sure but like all you do in that game is like you walk up and click on them and they give you like a food item you can trade with them 
Oh, that's a little weird. Or do a raid with him and do like one of those big battles. Yeah, you can do the raids, but it's very like antisocial. Like you just join it. Yes. And other that people happen true. to be there. But I also don't blame Nintendo on that too much because if you added a chat feature into it, you're asking for trouble. I don't know. It just sounds cool. And plus it's co-op. Like the whole thing's co-op. That like makes me slightly interested. So that's yeah. nice. Imagine... A turn-based strategy game that's co-op. Hmm. And it's so easy to convince me to play a co-op game. It's a color <laughs> problem. Plus, I'm just ready for a fresh take on the Pokemon formula. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I feel like that's probably a good thing. Like, they they seem to be refining it and doing better and better with it. But at the same time, it's still just a slow process. And having someone like this show up and do something drastically new with it, uh, I, I think might be a good push. And then Game Freak will be like, oh, Let's get some shit done. Like, let's really do something new. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Speaking of new takes. <laughs> yeah, Caleb. <laughs> oh, my gosh. These segues really good segues for every section can, of this podcast. I can tell. Uh, you found this new software for some virtual tabletop action. Yep. I'm about to start up a uh, Pathfinder 2E campaign that I'm very excited about. And I was just looking around. It's an online campaign. So I was looking around at various virtual tabletops and what they have to offer. And I found this one. Uh, you can get access to it by supporting the Patreon for it. I think it's going to officially release in March is their plan. Um, and it's called Foundry VTT, first of all. Uh, and I believe when it releases, it's going to be a flat cost to buy it for GM. And then everybody else can connect through web browser. So it's going to be pretty cheap for all of the features it also has a ton of community support people are making different systems for it where systems are like the actual rpg so like they have dnd 5e they have pathfinder 2e they have starfinder a whole bunch of other ones shadow run and people are also making a whole bunch of modules for it which are basically mods yeah so it just easier to it use seems way more open than yeah. something like roll 20 yep Yep, I joined the Discord recently, and there's a whole, there's a ton of support for people making mods in there. People are helping people all over the place. Uh, seems seems pretty great, and it's I've used Roll Twenty in the past, and it's fine. It does what it needs to do, but I think Foundry, Foundry VTT just works a little better and has the features that I want that Roll Twenty doesn't. Like it has dynamic lighting, which Roll Twenty does have if you subscribe, but I'm not gonna. No. Mm-mm. Um, <laughs> uh, and it's getting all this support from the community, so it's building up all of the stuff that Roll20 already has very quickly because the community is just doing it and they're getting it done. Uh, it seems it's really solid. Self hostable. Self hostable, yep. So you Which don't have to rely on anybody nice. to pay for server access. Yep. And part of the reason it doesn't have a subscription, it's not subscription based. Um, so that's really exciting. Thought I'd plug that in case people are interested in new virtual tabletops, trying them out. Yeah. Uh, you can get access to it from the Patreon for five dollars uh, if you support them. Uh, there's also a demo up online somewhere that you can check out just to try it out from a player perspective. Um, other things sort of related to board games. I saw this release on Kickstarter called Return to Dark Tower. 
and normally Kickstarter board games aren't like important enough that I bring them up on the podcast, but I knew Aaron would be very excited about this one because it is created by Rob Davio and uh, I don't know how to say this guy's last name, but Isaac Childress. Um, sounds about right. The makers of, well, one of them is the maker of Pandemic Legacy, Betrayal Legacy, all those games. And the other one is the maker of Gloomhaven. And they are working together on this game called Return to Dark Tower. Oh, wow. And it looks ridiculous. It's got like a fully built dark tower that is like quite tall and has a whole bunch of like electronics in it, I think. I think it like does things as you play. I'm not for huh. sure. But it's it's very weird. <laughs> and it's very interesting. It is also very expensive. Yeah, like 125 for the base game. So pretty expensive for a board game. Oh, here you go. Like most the of mechanical the... tower is 300 millimeters tall. <laughs> Point three I mean, meters. That's a most foot of tall. the big um, Kickstarter board games nowadays are like in excess of hundred dollars. They are. Reason. They're pretty expensive now. I don't know what the deal is. Well, they just want to go hard. They want to just be like, "Look, let's do all of the crazy stuff." I guess. There's an app. Is there an app related to it? Uh, I missed there's that part. Like on this page, they show a phone doing some stuff for the game. Mm. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. Supposedly, there's secrets inside the tower. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. You know, like a legacy style game. Hey, speaking have of a bunch like of those mechanics, really huge stuff in the middle of the board. Did you see that there is a? Um, you can't really get it anymore, but there's like a expansion for Cthulhu Death May Die that you could have got with the original Kickstarter. That's just this giant statue of Cthulhu, <laughs> and it's like big enough that it becomes a game board. What? Yeah, it's like this separate, like, expansion. What do you mean big enough that it becomes the game board? Like the it the statue is what you play on, I guess. I don't like the base of the statue. I guess it's the base of the statue, yeah. You're like playing between the statue's legs? I don't know, dude. <laughs> this is crazy big. <laughs> I'm very intrigued now. Yeah, you can get it resold for like $300 or something. Oh, great. Get right on that. <laughs> so let's uh let's move out of um video game board game territory let's talk a little bit about some film stuff yeah the oscars movies. oscars are coming up soon yeah we have are. nominations in place they have so many nominations in place and goddamn do the nominations look real bright and by bright i mean just white as fuck <laughs> Um, yeah, it, I mean, they, they did their, hey, here's everything that we're putting up for Oscars, and, uh, of course, things that probably should be winning Oscars aren't, uh, and then there's a bunch of things that did get noms. There's some good noms in there, I'm not gonna say that it's all bad, uh, but there's definitely some stuff that I'm just like, uh, why on earth is Scarlett Johansson getting nominated for both lead actor, uh, actress and supporting actress in two different things, like, I I saw the supporting actress one and I didn't think it was that good. I don't think that she deserved a nomination. There is plenty of other people that did deserve the nomination. Um, as also goes into the same thing with like films. It's just all of these like white people films and then oh Parasite because that I feel like that was their thing 
this year was the academy was just like we can't be a hundred percent racist so what if we just like put parasite in there a couple of times because like people like that right yeah yeah people like (laughs) parasite and that's what it felt like there wasn't any other like thoughts or discussions it was just like okay cool so you got 1917 up there the joker up there for 11 fucking things uh and then it's just like oh and parasite parasite's up there for a couple things so we're good you know we we got our we got our token there um i mean i feel like parasite does deserve all of it but it just it feels weird when you look at everything else and you're just like okay really like i thought for sure that um adam sandler would be nominated at least for uncut gems because it's just so good really and yeah and there's an adam sandler movie that's good (laughs) Uh, yeah because he's not playing a comedian he's playing like a straight faced like like it's just him being a serious actor and he's actually a decent serious actor and they were like nah we should just you know nominate the same four people that we've did stuff i i know that um leonardo dicaprio got nominated for best actor even though he's like barely the best actor in the film that he was in or the lead actor in the film that he was in. So it's a little weird that he was the one that got nominated for that, hmm. but sure. Um, well, this I, uncut gems movie actually has good reviews. That's yeah, so weird. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's supposed to be extremely good. Um, and I was like, everybody was saying like it's one of the best performances of the year in that it would a hundred percent be up for Oscar noms and it's not. And instead we have things like 1917, which I don't think was that good. I went and saw it this week. I think the cinematography on it is fantastic. If it should be nominated for cinematography, I will give it that. But as far as like best picture, no, it has nothing to say about anything other than just Oh hey, here's a war movie, and we shot it really pretty. I think Make. it didn't it win the Golden Globe for best drama. Yeah, I just I feel like that's also weird because if you're gonna put it in the drama category, Little Women is also well done and has a lot to say about a lot of things and is much better of a movie. <laughs> that didn't get nominated for best the the director didn't get nominated in. I don't think it even got nominated for best picture. It only had nominations out of it for best actress and best supporting actress and also best costumes and best costumes. I think it's got a good a good chance on because uh, they <laughs> they did those really well. They looked really good. Uh, Little Women is up for best picture. Oh, it is. Then yep. it should 100% be doing. I just feel like it's just such a good movie. Like I personally didn't like little women that much but i could like as i watched it i was like this is a very well done movie it has a lot to say it's just not a movie that i particularly enjoy it's a drama i'm not much of a drama person i like action movies and kind of you know heist movies and stuff like that so that's kind of just like my downside of why i didn't like it but it wasn't that i couldn't tell that it was well done and didn't deserve this. I was like, it hundred percent deserves way more than it got. Um, so yeah. Oh, and us isn't even nominated for anything again. Why? <laughs> us oh, is Alex. the, who's the director? Jordan Peele. Yeah. It's Jordan Peele's second. Yeah. Us. Oh yeah. I don't think is that good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't think the Joker was that good, but it got nominated for eleven 
fucking things. Like, if we're just going to use mediocrity as a measurement here, well, there are so many better movies than the things that did get nominated. Like, like comparing us to Get Out, Get Out is such a better crafted film. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. I will give that Get Out is better, but I also feel like us is better than Joker, better than, I think, um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. To be fair, like, I haven't seen Joker yet, so I'm not I'm not sure about that one. But yeah, it's it's much better than 1917. That was just... I have seen mm-hmm. Parasite though. I I hear nothing but good things about Parasite, and now that Parasite's Man. going to be in regular theaters and like just on instead of just like the one uh, artsy fartsy one down the street, I can actually go and see it. So I'm excited I... about that. I watched Parasite specifically without reading anything about it, without seeing any trailers, just yep. hearing everybody say how good it is. Yep. And that's all I knew about it. Yep. And I knew the title and I just started watching it and it's highly recommended to watch it that way. It's very cool. <laughs> that is currently how I am, which is why I'm trying so hard to see it so I can just be like, yes, I'm in. Let's go. Yeah, it is a it's a really cool experience. Um just like kind of learning why the title is the title and then like seeing all the twists and turns in the plot and everything. Mm-hmm. Very, it's very cool stuff. Alex, um, your favorite current song is up for original song. It's not the Panic of the Disco version, but uh, it should be the Panic of the Disco. It should version. be the Panic of the Disco version. Let me tell you. I think, yeah, Into the Unknown Panic of the Disco better than Adina Menzel. Sorry. Yep. Adina Menzel and Aurora, which actually seeing aurora credited on that song made me go look up who aurora is and i've just been listening to her music lately (laughs) so (laughs) she's actually really good and she's not just uh some oohs and ahs that you get from her in that song because that's all that she does in that song is the really high-pitched oohs and ahs um but she's got really cool music to check her out um other film oh man yeah i so weathering with you is getting its north american like theater tour i haven't been able to go see it yet i'm very upset about it yeah aaron went and saw it he's not here yeah aaron's not here alex hasn't seen it yet so we'll talk about this on a later podcast but i just want to plug it real quick and say you should go see it it's really good it's in theaters right now Aaron texted me and said it was so good, and then he said it might be better than your name for him. Wrong. <laughs> He's wrong. Okay. That is flat out wrong, <laughs> but it is quite good. Uh, now I have conflicting opinions to take with <laughs> me to go watch the movie. Well, don't get your hopes up too much because it is not better than your name. Though, to be fair, <laughs> your name is my favorite movie ever. So right. So yeah, Take that with a little bit of a grain. It's going to take a lot for something to get better than that huh yeah it is freaking beautiful i will tell you that much just like your name was it is absolutely gorgeous and the soundtrack phenomenal it feels like the movie was crafted around the soundtrack that's how well integrated it is wow yeah you know it might have been like they they approached yeah uh, it might actually have been <laughs> the, it's the same band that did some of the music for the first movie and they yeah, kind of like Lamps. Rad Wimps, yeah, they worked really closely with them for for this one. Yep. After being so successful in Your Name, so not yeah, surprised a, to hear that. There was a short um, 
interview with uh, Makoto Shinkai right after the movie. And part of it was he was talking about how like he wrote the script for the movie and then he sent it to, I don't know which member of the band, but one of the members of the band. Right. And like the guy read it over and then sent him back two songs. And then they were like, yep, let's just do it. <laughs> so they worked together on it. Man, that kind of reminds me of uh, how the Interstellar soundtrack happened. Oh, yeah? How's Where, that? man, he wrote just like this little short story that is, it was like something about a kid and his parent and is like very like kind of low key and like intimate and dramatic. Um, And he sent it off to Hans Zimmer. And Hans Zimmer read that and then like wrote the main theme for Interstellar and sent it back to oh, him. Yeah. He's like, yes, perfect. And then he like revealed it was actually this big budget sci-fi like blockbuster kind of. <laughs> and he's like, what wait a heck? second. Suzik <laughs> <laughs> like, doesn't exactly fit, but it actually like works so well with the movie. Yeah. Huh. That's cool. But yeah. Um, so stuff coming up on the site in the podcasts we've got the next month of the book club podcast coming out expanding horizons that'll be up the first of february we read uh simon Pegg's autobiography called nerd do well uh pretty interesting get it it's like a play on words (laughs) because he's like a comedian so he made a funny in the title This is a pretty this interesting autobiography. Uh, he writes it where there's like this sub storyline that's like fiction throughout the rest of the autobiography, which is you know obviously nonfiction, and kind of relates the fiction story to how how like the story of his life is unfolding a little bit. Yeah, weird. It kind of makes it a little bit not just like dry retelling events of somebody's life. Mm-hmm. So pretty interesting. Uh, tune in for our discussion of that. And um, I don't know anything else we got coming up, guys. Anything you guys want to plug? Uh, hey, make sure that you're tuning into our stream dates that, you know, Jake has been very right. vigilant doing. Right. And I don't think we've really advertised this that much, but we are streaming now. We want to make sure it's at least once a week. Uh, we will probably be on more often than that. But as of right now, we have it set for Tuesday evenings um, on the, our Twitch channel. We are the horizon. Um, and we also have a couple other people that stream at the same time. But, you know, you just can't stream all on the same channel. But we should probably have those listed in the uh, description there also. Yeah. I, if not, I, I will get that fixed definitely want to do more streaming of not just overwatch but other games i know that uh grand theft auto is one of the most watched things on twitch and also the most popular uh like youtube uh game that people like watching people play so since i've already yeah well since i've already been playing gta and you know the data is there maybe someone wants to see me get ready for some casino heist or play some red dead or I know that Jake and I have been playing um, some Destiny with our girlfriends, and so maybe people want to see some Destiny. Who knows? By Destiny, you mean Divinity. Divinity, yep. <laughs> I always do that. They all start with D. It's uh, 
I just anyway. press buttons. Yeah, so uh, look out for our book club podcast and look out for our stream nights. Um, yeah, thanks for stopping by, everybody. We'll talk to you next two weeks bye bye. from now. See ya. Wow. Go watch Weather in the Fortnite. Go watch Parasite without <laughs> looking up anything about it. See you later. This week's podcast was edited by me, Alex McCoslin. Other voices include Caleb Juno and Owen Patterline. Thanks for sticking this one out with me, boys. This week's music was again brought to you by Amer. You can check out his other music on Spotify or on soundcloud.com slash Amer. Additionally, you can keep up with everything else we do over at wearethehorizon.com. We've got a new book club podcast hitting the 1st of February, so be sure to check back for that. Again, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll catch you next time.